The following message is by a guest speaker at Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. When people in Jordan ask us the names of our two children, they're almost always very, very surprised when we tell them Abraham and Noah. Uh, The most common response to this is, are you Muslim? Those are the names of our prophets. Abraham is the father of the prophets. Did you know that? And uh, (laughs) we have to tell them, explain to them, yeah, well, there are prophets too. And we also believe um, that God spoke to them and, and used them. And we realize that the topic uh, of our kids' names is a great way to start talking about spiritual things. And in turn, like we've mentioned, to hopefully find these people of peace, people who are interested and hungry and open to spiritual things. The last time we were back for our home ministry assignment, for our furlough, um, if you came to one of our presentations, we talked about Abraham in the Bible and how his story challenges us in, in many ways. Well, since then... It was about three years ago. We've gone back to Jordan, and we had Noah. So today we wanted to talk about Noah, uh, again, who Muslims consider one of the prophets and a very important one at that. Uh, Don't ask me about the next time we come back for furlough and who we're going to talk about then, because who knows, you know, (laughs) the future is unknown. It's a topic for discussion. Um, the name Noah is, is interesting because in Jordan, lots of people are called Abraham, for example. Lots of people called Muhammad, uh, different names, but hardly anyone named Noah. In fact, I've personally never met any Arab named Noah. Um, there are, the, they, they exist, but we, it's just not very common, at least these days. In addition, in Arabic, Noah is, is a difficult name to pronounce, because it doesn't sound like Noah, as you might guess. It ends with the H sound is actually pronounced, and it's pronounced in, in a very difficult way. The, the H that at the end of Noah sounds, um, it's kind of like when your hands are really cold and you're trying to warm them up, so you blow on them. It's like this. <sighs> so to say our son's name, it's, you have to say, this is Noah in Arabic. So, when people ask about Noah's name, remember, first of all, although we speak Arabic, uh, we've been there for six years, we definitely don't sound like native speakers. And secondly, Noah is not a common name in Jordan. So, for example, when people, uh, when we tell people Abraham's name, uh, in Arabic it's quite similar, Ibrahim. And it's, um, you know, people know it right away. So when we say Ibrahim... They're like, oh, Ibrahim, wow, and they react very, very positively. When we say Noah's name, uh, the most common response is, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what, what, what name are you trying to say? Or people think that we're saying Noor, which is a really common girl's name. So that would be kind of like saying here, hi, meet my son. His name is Lily Rose or something. So people, we tell people Noah's name, we try to say it anyway, and they're like, oh, okay. And it's clear that they're thinking, 
weirdo foreigners. You know, why are they naming their kids a girl's name? So anyway, Noah keeps us humble because whenever we introduce our family, we're always thinking, I hope I can say my son's name right this time. You know, there are a few aspects of Noah's life that, uh, Noah's life in the Bible that really challenge us um, and encourage us to pray for our son and for our lives as well. And, and by sharing some of these aspects, we hope that you might be encouraged today in it as well. The first thing that we see in Noah's life in the Bible is that he was a little bit crazy. Our Noah is also a little bit off the wall. We find him doing things like this, just randomly. He loves to, <laughs> he loves to do things that um, I just create a reaction, and we're like, where did you come up with that? Um, well, we're not really talking about that now. We're talking about knowing the Bible, and he, he was a little bit crazy. Uh, all of you know Noah's story. Hebrews 11:7. by faith, Noah, when warned about things, not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. I think it's pretty safe to say that Noah was not a typical Joe Schmo. You know, he's just a little bit off. I mean, there was something about it. You know those people, you meet them, and they're, they, there's just something about them that doesn't quite fit in. Noah was kind of like that. I mean, just think about his story. I mean, we're all familiar with it, with it right? He was building an ark, a big, huge boat, hundreds of miles away from any body of water that would hold anything bigger than a raft. And he spent dozens of years, some people say 100 years or more, building this boat. And everyone must have thought he was ridiculous. And Noah was a little bit crazy. You know, when people look at us, um, Joyce and I, Joyce and me, when they look at us and we tell them, we're living in Jordan, we're living in the Middle East, and then they ask a few more questions out of curiosity, you know, why are you doing that, and what are you doing there, and, um, you know, usually it ends up, the sentiment is something like, well, well, good for you. It's really good to hear that you're doing that and you're serving God in that way, but I'm pretty sure what they're thinking is, Glad it's you and not me. <laughs> or, I'm so glad God gives everyone different callings because I don't know what I would do if I was called there. That's the gracious version, actually. The other version is, you're weird. I mean, like, you're a little bit off, a little bit different to do something like that. But can I say something to every one of you here? Every one here who wants to follow God? You're called also to journey off the well-trodden path as well. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to a little bit of crazy too. I think all of us know, before we start talking about that too much, all of us know that, yes, we're supposed to adapt. We're supposed to conform to a certain degree to the culture, to the people that we're trying to reach. If you're in the workplace, uh, with your neighbors, with your friends, people you go to school with, you need to be able to connect with them if you want to serve them, minister to them, love them. Jesus did that, didn't he? He um, 
question. Who's the greatest cross-cultural missionary of all time? God became a man. It doesn't get more cross-cultural than that. When we moved to Jordan, we had to learn Arabic. Uh, We had to learn the language. We're still in the process of learning. And people say that it takes an average of 10 years to become truly fluent in Arabic, for an English speaker anyway. And of course, you know that communication is more than just words. Communication is, is body language and, and knowing the culture and knowing the, the humor and all of that. Traditions and worldview, even gestures. Uh, for example, what does this mean? Yeah, okay. Everything's great. Wonderful. In Jordan, this means I'm going to whack you upside the head. This means I'm going to beat you. <laughs> This is what parents say to their kids when their kids are misbehaving. So you have to be careful. If you're not willing to communicate, if you're not learning the language, then prepare for at least a little misunderstanding. If you want to be effective in reaching the people around you, you need to learn and adapt and change so that, you can, so that people around you can trust you and understand you, understand what you're saying. It's not only true for cross-cultural missionaries. It's true for everyone who wants to do ministry. Corporate America has a culture and a language and a worldview. You've got to learn it to speak and connect, connect. People communicate now in the language of Twitter and uh, Instagram and Snapchat. How are you doing at adapting so you can communicate in a way people understand? I'm not saying you have to... Get a Snapchat account. I don't have one. But there are ways that we need to adjust, right? We have to change the way that we communicate in order to connect to the people that we're trying to reach. Where we live, um, we've had to not only learn the language, but even things like um, praying. For example, Muslims pray. They pray differently than we do. Um, it's, I'm not talking about the prayer where you, you see they're lined up in the mosque or on the street and they're all kind of doing the form prayer. Muslims pray, like kind of personal prayer to God, lifting different prayer requests up. Um, but they don't do it closing their eyes and bowing their head and clasping their hands. Uh, you may know this. They open their eyes wide. They look at you while they're praying. And they hold their hands, their palms up like this. And so, you know, early on, I didn't realize this. I mean, I think somewhere in the back of my head I knew it, but um, I, would, I would ask if it's okay to pray for a meal, for example. Uh, and, and Muslims love it when you pray for them. And so they'd say, sure. And so I'd close my eyes and I'd be praying. And, and then I kind of peek and they're staring at me. They're just looking, their eyes wide open, staring at me. And I've realized, okay, maybe if, if I want to be able to communicate better, I should, you know, pray a little bit differently. And it doesn't say in the Bible you have to close your eyes and bow your head and, and clasp your hands, right? But that's just what we're used to. And that's, that's how you pray, right? If you're opening your eyes, that's not praying. That's cheating. I don't know. What, you, what are you doing opening your eyes? But in order to connect to the people, we, we learn. We, had, we just, and so now I'm starting to open my eyes more and, and lift up my hands and, and pray like that. What I'm used to, if you want to pray, is uh, you make a big announcement, right? You say, if somebody shares something serious or something that, needs, that is prayer worthy, what do you do? You say, oh, can I pray for you about that? Or, 
let's have a prayer meeting or, or something, you know? Like, you, you, you gotta, gotta go into it. Muslims, they just start praying. Like, in the middle of, in the, middle of the conversation, they'll just start praying. I remember the first time it happened. We were, I was driving with my friend Salah. It was at a stop sign. Uh, we were talking about something, and then he, he does this, and he starts praying. And about halfway through his prayer, I realized, he's praying. So I, <laughs> I have to pray, I have to pray. But they just pray all, you know, right in the middle of the conversation. They don't have to make a big announcement about it. And so we've had to adjust. You know, what the, these outward forms, it's not really that important. But it's funny, it's, it's much harder to adjust these things than you realize. You think that that's, it's really important. You have to close your eyes. You have to bow your head. You have to, you have to pray before every meal. If you don't pray before the, every meal, what, what's going to happen to you? Something bad, right? You just think, oh man, something, what happens if I don't pray? And, and you, when sometimes you miss it, right? You don't pray, you forget to pray. Like, oh, and you make a big deal about it and you pray. But where does, I mean, who says that you have to pray before every meal? And so in, in, re, in trying to connect to the people here, uh, sorry, in Jordan, we've, we've realized that we, we, we need to adjust the way that we communicate, the way that we uh, connect with them in order to best minister. But let's remember, Jesus has called us to be in the world, but not of it. We're in the world. So when we speak, we speak in a way that people understand. The way that we live, it makes sense to people. They, can, they feel like there's a connection with us. They get it. But we're not of the world, which means that sometimes we do things that make people stop and say, wait, what did you just do? We do things that are a little bit strange. A little bit weird. Jesus did that a few times, didn't he? I mean, God became a man. He was a Jew. He lived like a Jew. But every once in a while, he would do things that made people say, what are you doing, Jesus? You're not supposed to do that. Noah, like we're talking about today, he did that. It was was one thing, but it was a big thing. It was an ark. It seems like if you look at the different characters in the Bible... Most of them had at least one thing about them that made people think, this person's a little bit strange. This person is a little bit different than everyone else. Now, what does that mean for us? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to reach John the Baptist, eat locusts and honey and wear camel hair level, or even Noah build an ark in the middle of a desert level. But is there something in your life that as you try to follow God, something that makes people look at you and think, that's a little bit crazy. That's a little bit strange. Or even, okay, weirdo. What's your arc? A couple of weeks ago, we visited a kindergarten for Abraham. Yes, uh, hoping to send him next year. We took a look around the school, and when we got to the playground, um, the kids saw Noah, and this is what happened, our Noah. You may have seen this in a recent update that we sent out. That's Noah in the front there. That's 
all of the kids behind him chasing him around the playground. Not playing hide-and-seek or tag. They were just so curious to see this little Asian boy. And it was fun. Brought smiles to our face. But even in that incident, and as we think about it more, the smiles quickly turned to looks of concern because in this playground, they started making this motion with their eyes. Um, As often happens in a very homogeneous society where Asians are servants, um, Asians will be looked down on. And, And for us... You know, this is what we've chosen. We prayed through it. We decided that we would become cross-cultural missionaries. Abraham and Noah, they're by default. They're going to go through this. We brought them into it. Even my Jordanian friends, they ask us all the time, why are you living here in this country that's so difficult where you don't have the creature comforts that you're used to. We're all trying to leave and go to America. Why are you coming over here? And it's times like this when I think about what our kids are going to be subject to, when I hear stories of MKs who end up in counseling. And there's those times that I say, yeah, what are we doing here? I mean, is this really what we want to subject our kids to? What if they just crack under the pressure, like some stories that we've heard? Is it fair? Maybe this is one small way we're called to build our ark. What's your ark? What ark have you been building? Maybe you're trying to live in such a way that makes people ridicule you and ask you, why are you doing that? Keep at it. It's worth it. Or maybe you're sitting here and God's calling you to a little bit of crazy. A little bit more of a lifestyle that's not always about fitting in and doing what everyone else is doing. Maybe maybe it means quitting your job. And moving to a country where they don't have access to the gospel. Maybe it means staying where you are and being a little bit more bold. And sharing with people and asking spiritual questions and bringing things up about God. Co-workers and neighbors and people at the gym. There are people interested in spiritual things. There are people wanting to ask questions but they don't know to ask. Maybe it's just a matter of showing that you are a spiritual person. That you're somebody they can ask. And the door is open. Noah's a little bit crazy. Noah also walked with God. Genesis 6.9 says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. I think... In order for Noah to live that kind of little bit crazy lifestyle, I think for anybody to live like that, you got to have an inner strength. 
Either you've got to have an inner strength, you know, because there's some people like that. They just don't care what other people think. Some of you may be sitting here. You'd be like, who cares what everyone says? If I'm going to, supposed to build an ark, I'm going to build an ark. Who cares? But if you're like me, you care. You worry what people think. And however you're like, in order to follow God, to live out the calling that he has given you, you need strength. And if it's not coming from the inside, it's got to be divine strength from above. Noah walked with God. What does it mean he walked with God? I think at least it means he believed in God. It it means he trusted God. But you know this phrase, he walked with God. When Muslims hear this, it's, uh, it's very strange for them. Sometimes they get offended by this phrase. They, they'll agree that you can worship God, you can serve God, you can even walk on the straight path toward God, but walk with God? There's no way to have a relationship with God, the Almighty, like that. But if you're sitting in this room, I'm guessing that you believe you can. You can walk with God. You can have an intimate relationship with Him. You can call Him Father. So how do you show that to Muslims? How do you prove that to them? How do you get them to, to say, hey, you, you can have a relationship with God like that? It's got to be in your life. You've got to show it through the way that you live. Not just to love God, but to be in love with God. Not just to talk about God, but to talk to Him and walk with Him. And if they see that, and first and foremost, of course, the Holy Spirit has to work in their hearts, but if they see that, there's a good chance that they'll want that. And cross over to heaven. I'm guessing most of you have something like this. A device. You can check your email. Communicate with people. Surf the web. Do whatever you do on it. They're a blessing. These uh, devices. Um, Our kids. Because we don't let them play on them. Our kids see them as a curse. Every time they see Joyce and I sit at our computer, they, they get upset. Because it means that we are spending time with our screen and not with them. And so they're always pulling. As soon as we, put, as soon as we sit down, they're tugging at our pant leg. They're pulling at our hand saying, saying to us, Daddy, put the phone down. Do you ever hear that, parents? Maybe you're more holy than I. I hear it a lot. But I look at that and say, that's how I should be, isn't it? With God, my Father, who wants to spend time with me. Noah he doesn't have many words yet, but one of his words is hand. And he says it when we're walking somewhere and he needs a hand. He'll reach up his hand and say, hand, when he needs to climb up a flight of stairs or climb down or step down a curb. But my favorite, it's really cute when he does that. But my favorite is when we're just walking and there, isn't, there are no stairs. There's no curb. He just looks at me, looks at me and says, hand. He just wants a companion. He just wants someone to walk with him down the path. And I look at that and I say, that's how I should be with my father. 
God. I think that's how Noah was. He had a relationship, an intimate relationship with God, and he walked with him, and therefore he had strength to live the crazy life that he was called to live. How's your walk with God? How's your walk with God been in 2014 as we head into 2015? How is the time you spend with God? We really appreciate your prayers for us. Our number one request, please pray for our walk with God. Because in the midst of ministry, in the midst of doing stuff for God, it's so easy to, to miss that, to skip over it. would appreciate your prayers for that. Lastly, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I think this is the key verse in the Noah story. There are lots of verses sprinkled throughout the Old Testament as well as the New. But I think this is just so, so important. Genesis 6, 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. I think it's key Because I think that's the gospel. This word favor can also be translated grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the gospel, and this is the verse for every child of God. Every person who has a relationship with him, who has salvation, this is the story. Finding favor, finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. The gospel is the good news, but it's only good because there was bad news, right? I was listening to a sermon, uh, and the preacher said, Noah's Ark is not a children's story. You know, it kind of woke me up because, oops, what happened? This is what I think of when I think of Noah's Ark. You know, an old man with a white beard and cute little animals surrounding him. And this is often how we teach our children, right? But, but we have to remember what Noah's Ark, what the backdrop was. This is a painting um, that I think captures really the sense of Noah's Ark, of the story of Noah and the flood. When you look at Genesis 6.6, 6, sorry, I don't have the verse up there. Genesis 6.6, 6, which is the verse, verses immediately, 6.6 6 and 6.7, which is the verses immediately before, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It says... The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The flood When God looked at the earth, when he looked at mankind, his heart grieved. He saw where man was headed. He saw people's end, and he grieved. 
But for Noah, God showed him grace. And the ark and salvation and all of that is the picture of the gospel for us. But let's remember that Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the Son of Man. That's how it is now. We are in a flood of sin. We are surrounded by people who are lost. And so, when God looks at IS, when he looks at an IS terrorist, his heart grieves. When he looks at someone at your work who does not know Jesus, his heart grieves. And when he looks at the people, someone sitting in the pews at church who doesn't have a personal relationship, his heart grieves. When he sees a Jordanian Muslim, his heart grieves. When he looked at me, before I was saved, his heart grieved. But because I found grace, because he allowed me to find favor in his eyes, now I have hope. And that's the story for you as well. That's the gospel. That's what Noah's life is about. It's about God grieving, but he's not, that's not the end of the story. The flood is not the last word. Noah and his family found favor in the flood. And all of us as well are called to the same. As we're trying to, as Joyce and I and our family are trying to live in Jordan, um, trying to share with people who Jesus is, please pray for us. Please pray that the things that we would grieve for the most would be souls. Because to be honest, I, I grieve for all kinds of things. I grieve for the bears this year. I grieve for the cubs every year. I grieve for all kinds of silly things. But please pray that as we're out there, that our hearts would grieve for the things that God's heart grieves for. And please pray as well that wherever you are, that you would see souls around you like that. That you would remember that life is more than just what you see around you. There are souls drowning in a flood of sin, and they need the gospel. And you and I are called to be light and salt to them, wherever we are, whatever arena of life that God has called us to. And he wants to use you so that they, just as all of us here, would find favor in the eyes of the Lord and they might be saved. Let's pray. Mm-hmm.